Yeah. Uh, two-tone, the podcast, it's the livest. Every week we talking about them Tennessee Titans. Better tune in, this the podcast you want. Hosted by my big homie, Ryan Morland. Mariota throwing bombs, he don't ever miss. Malcolm Butler hold it down with the pick six. Talking stats and plays, what's happening? Derrick Henry, Dory Jackson, this where we get it cracking. Yeah, Tennessee Titans podcast. Two-tone, hey, tune in. How we doing, Titans fans out there? You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. I, of course, am your host, Ryan Moreland. Huge victory Monday this week as the Titans show the world we are for real. Um, a 26-20 to victory over the Eagles. Uh, unbelievable performance by the Titans. It, it was just a great game all around. Um, and an unbelievable ending, really. You know, three consecutive fourth down conversions to set up a game-winning third down past the end zone. Uh, for Corey Davis's first uh, regular season touchdown, I mean, it just it's, everything was just amazing. I'm sure you're all still celebrating the win just like I am. It was an unbelievable performance. It was great. Absolutely fantastic. Um you know, this is the third straight week where, you know, in that Texans game, most people had us as the underdog. And the Jags game, everyone had us as, as the underdog. And only a few people had us winning. In this game, no one picked us to win, and everybody had us as the underdog. In three straight weeks, we get three straight wins. And, and it makes you think, if that week one wasn't a seven-hour game, if that week one, if there weren't those illegal hits that led to injuries... Would this team be undefeated still? Would this be a 4-0 team? It begs the question. Now, we can't roll back the clock and can't play that game over again. We just have to accept what happened. we got to move on. And that's what we're going to do, and that's what the Titans have done. An unbelievable performance this week, as I said. Getting the win over the Eagles. This episode, we're going to get deep into exactly um, what happened in this game. We're going to talk about the AFC South. But first, I have two things that I wanted to bring up. Uh, and I'm going on a little rant here. And now you already guys, everybody that follows me on uh, Twitter and Facebook already know that I'm going to talk about Marcus. Um, and even if you don't follow me, you probably knew that this was going to come up. Uh, but the other one I want to bring up first is why we shouldn't care about the power rankings. You know, it, it, everybody makes a big deal about the power rankings. And, and I know everybody's heard it before. Power rankings don't win football games. That's true. But it would be nice to be ranked high, right? It would be nice to get some recognition for what we're doing. It would be nice for the national media to take more of a recognition of what the Titans are doing. But I say no. I, I, I like that we're always underrated. That's who we are as Titans fans. That's who the Titans are. It's what it means to be a Titans. We prove them wrong. That's what Titans do. We prove them wrong when they doubt us. And we overcome... Um, you know, adversity, and we, and we battle, and we, we prove people wrong. We prove that we're better than what people think we are. And that's what it means to be a Titan, in my opinion. You know, the national media forgets about us, and I love that. It, it used to be annoying. I'll give you that. Back before, you know, you know, in the more beginnings of the Internet age, when, and, you know, prior to that, when it was hard to catch Titans on, uh, on TV, if you lived outside of... Of the Tennessee, it was really hard. You, you know, I got to watch like half the games every year, it felt like. Or maybe even less. 
that sucked. That was rough. Not getting to watch them every week. But now when we live in this internet age where I can stream games anywhere, you know, in the world you can stream a game. Um, you know, I remember watching games when I was in Afghanistan. You know, you can literally you can stream them anywhere. You can watch games anywhere. You know, with Red Zone. There's so many ways to watch football now. Um, I don't care that the national media forgets about us. I like it. I like that when I go to get Titans news, I don't go to NFL.com. I don't go to ESPN, to Bleacher Report. When I want good, reliable um, Tennessee Titans news, I go to Titans Online. I go to podcasts like this one. I go, I go, you know, following guys, um, you know, like Greg, Greg Arias, who is a great um, Titans insider, great writer, like Jim Wyatt, you know, who is, whose name has been synonymous with the Titans forever. You know, he is the Mike Keith of writing for this Titans team. Um, I go to guys like that, and I like that. We have a smaller community, but we have a tighter-knit community. It's we, you know, everybody knows who Jim Wyatt is. Everybody knows who Mike Keith is. If you're a Titans fan, you know these guys, and and you go to them, you know, to get exactly what you want out of them. You know, for Jim, it's getting the latest news and stuff like that, and with Keith, it's getting those brilliant calls on Sundays. I like that. I like that tight knit. I like that. It you know, oftentimes it feels like us against the world. I like that. And, and like I said earlier, it's, it's what it means to be a Titans fan. Now, listen to this. When you think of Packers, the Green Bay Packers, one of the more like, storied uh, franchises in football, what does it mean to be a Packer? Let's think about it. It means Lambeau Field. It means playing in the elements, in the snow, in the freezing cold in December. It means the Lambeau Leap. You know, that's, those are the kind of things that you think about when you think of Green Bay Packers football. It's what it means to be a Packer, surviving the elements. Um, you know, the, that, that historic stadium. That's, those things are synonymous with what it means to be a Packer. So that begs the question, what's it mean to be a Titan? So I came up with four things here that I think really establish what it means to be a Titan. The first physical brand of football, you look at since we moved to Tennessee, very physical defenses, very physical offenses for the most part. Um, you know, you, a guy like Eddie George, the first thing you think about when you think about Eddie George is his physicality. A physical brand of football, punch you in the nose kind of football. Like, you know, that's, that's something I think that it means to be a Titan. Overcoming the odds. You know, when a lot of people think of Titan, you think about the Music City Miracle. You think about that win that we had against Kansas City. You think about that win we had this week against the Eagles. You think about that comeback win against Kansas City in the playoffs. You know, those are the games that you think about. That Those overcoming the odds. Comeback games. Winning when it doesn't seem possible to win. That, to me, is part of Titans football. Um, and then, you know, that never giving up mentality. In that small market, also, really means what it means. That tight community uh, that we have as Titans fans, where that that is definitely part of our... We're not a national or international fan base like the Patriots have become, like the Steelers have been for a long time, like the Packers and Cowboys have been for a long time. We're not that international market. It's a tight community. That's part of what it means to be a Titans fan, is being part of this tight-knit community. You know, I talked to these guys. I went to that game last year in Pittsburgh when Tennessee played Pittsburgh. And I know it was a bad game. 
But walking into the stadium, every time I saw someone in, in Titans gear or the throwback Oilers gear, you know, it was high fives, it was hugs, it was fist bumps, it was tighten up, baby. It was like, you know, that let's go. And, and my brother, who I went with, is a diehard Steelers fan. You know, for the, they do interact, and, there, and there's that sense of, of brotherhood in any kind of sport. But it's, it's not like it is with, you know, he even brought that up. He's just like, you have interacted with every person that we've passed that's in Titans gear. And, and, uh, and I'm like, it's, it's that small community. It, it's because we're a small market team. There's that sense of, you know, we're all in this family. It's, it's tight-knit. And that's what it means to be the Titans fan. And the last thing is always being overlooked. Being the redheaded stepchild. Being forgotten about. It's part of our identity. You know, people... You know, when you, you bring up, like, the people that aren't familiar with, like, the Titans and stuff. And you bring up, oh, I'm a Packer fan. You know, people can be like, oh, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre. Even if they don't watch football. A lot of times they don't have shit to say. If they're not big football fans about the Titans. They don't know much about the Titans. But I like that. I like that we're forgotten about. I like that that we get... That people always over under or sorry always underrate us, and then we prove them wrong. I, I love it. I love that. I don't want us to ever be a big market team. Now I don't want us to ever be in the national spotlight. Like, it'd be cool to get more coverage, but in today's day and age, when when there's so much information out there, there's several podcasts. You know, there's there's this one that I have. Titans Tube has been great. You know, definitely worth a check out. Um, Titans Town. That's run by a good buddy. A good buddy of mine is great. Um, Titans in Truth, obviously a great program. You can check out Titans online. You know, there's so many places. There's so many Facebook groups. There's so many podcasts. There's so many people that write about um, and sites that follow and write about the Titans that are really good. You know, a lot of really good work goes into all of these things. But it's a small community. You know, a lot of the guys that do. Titans podcasts, I, I, I've talked to, I know, you know, and I know a lot of these guys, a lot of the people that write Titans stuff, I know, and I, and I talk to, and I've had on the show before, you know, if you've listened to the show, you've listened to a lot, of, you've heard Jim Wyatt several times, you've heard Greg Arias several times, you've heard from, um, you know, the, the guys from Titans Tube, the guys from um, Titans in Truth, the guys from, you know, Titan Town, it, You've heard all these people before, if you've listened to this show for a while. It's a tight-knit community, and I love that we're overlooked. I love that people forget that the Titans are good. I love that people underestimate what the Titans have the ability to do, and I love that we... So that's what I think. With Titans fans, it's physical football. It's overcoming the odds and never giving up. It's that small, tight-knit community, and it's being overlooked. Those four things mean a lot to me as a Titans fan. I think that's what it means to be a Titans fan. So embrace it. Who cares about the power rankings? I hope they. I hope we jump back in the power rankings this week. Even though it wouldn't make any sense, I hope we do. I hope more people overlook us, and we come and we punch them in the teeth, and we win football games. And that's all we got to do is just keep winning football games. And, you know, eventually they're going to recognize, so eventually I'm going to lose... That feeling that I like. Because people can't keep underrating you if you keep winning football games every single week. Especially against good teams. You know, Jags are a good team. Eagles are a good team. Um, they're, they're Eventually, they're going to take notice. But for right now, let them overrate us. Let them, let them think that we're not good. Let them think this isn't a playoff team. And, and we'll show them in the end. And that's I, I, just, I love that feeling. It adds a little bit to that win. 
You know, this game, if this game was played against a team that we had even odds on, it would have been nice to win. It still would have been exciting. It wouldn't have been the same, though. Like, admit that to yourself. It wouldn't have been the same. This win felt amazing because we beat a team that everybody said we shouldn't have. We beat a team that won the Super Bowl last year. We beat a team that's very likely a playoff team. That's why it feels so good. Um, but that's the end of my rant. Is Don't worry about the power rankings. It doesn't matter. Let them overrate us. I hope that I hope they continue to over or uh, sorry underrate us sorry I hope they continue to underrate us I hope they do all right so moving on to to my case for Marcus Mariota so I have I have gotten reached out someone sent me an awesome message over Twitter uh, saying that they listened to the show the last couple weeks and, and heard my points about Marcus and they decided that they were wrong that they're not giving up on Marcus and they sent this before the game on Sunday. Um, and then uh, the person said that they, they because they listened to the show and they heard me, they're not giving up on Marcus. They were doing it too quick, and I'm glad they, that they saw that. And I bet they, they are glad that Marcus came out and had the game they had to really boost their confidence in him. Um, but not just the game. Obviously, anybody can look at the stats of this game and be like, wow, pretty impressive. He went 30 for 43. That's 69.8% completion percentage, 344 yards. Two touchdowns, one interception, 10 rushes for 46 yards, and added another touchdown there. It was a great game. That's a fantastic stat line. You know, three touchdowns, one interception, almost 350 yards, almost 70% of his passes completed, and you factor in the drops that we saw in this game. Unbelievable. But here's one takeaway that maybe you didn't notice, that I noticed in this game. Let's go to OT. The Eagles have the ball first. They're driving down the field trying to win a football game. So when you try to win a football game late in the game, you try to get the ball in your playmaker's hands. We've all heard that. All of us have, that have played heard it all growing up. All of us that have watched football hear it all the time. You put it in the, in the hands of playmakers and let them make plays late in a football game. The Eagles went to Carson Wentz three of the nine plays that they ran on their final drive of the game. 33 percent of their plays were passes by Wentz the rest were runs and they had success running the football against us and we'll talk about that later but six of the plays were runs they went to Smallwood or a JA and that's who they went to to help them win this game look at what the Titans did 12 of the 16 plays we ran were passes by Marcus Two more were scrambles by Marcus. That's 87.5% of the plays that we ran went to Marcus, compared to 33% on the other side of the football. And I'll grant you, I'll grant you that part of that was it was getting late in the in the um, late in the action. We didn't want to go home with a tie, um, or you know, or a loss. So you had to get the ball down quicker. But we started that drive with plenty of time. We went to Marcus early in that drive. You know, there were several plays before we had our first run by um, someone else. We had plenty of time to move the ball. We decided to put the ball in a playmaker's hands. A guy that is a proven clutch player. The, the most fourth quarter comebacks since 2017. The most. He is at the top of the list. Considering that he has missed time. Considering, you know, all the, the blame that he gets, everybody coming down on him. Marcus is clutch, and if you don't think that, then you're wrong. This isn't debatable. He has so many fourth-quarter comebacks, so many game-winning drives. 
The guy does it late. The guy figures out a way to win. Whether it's with his legs or through the air, Marcus will figure out a way to win. And, and consider, on this drive, he threw a perfectly thrown bomb that hit Darius Jennings right in the numbers. A perfectly thrown ball that Jennings dropped. Marcus had to keep overcoming the mistakes of his wide receivers. And there weren't a ton. There was five drops, which is a lot. We'll talk about it. Uh, and some of his receivers played really great, which obviously we're going to talk about. But he had to overcome adversity time and time again. Four or three, sorry, three fourth downs in a row that he converted on. One obviously was a pass interference um, call, but likely a very likely a completion right there. A well-thrown ball out to the edge to Taewon Taylor to pick up a first on fourth and 15. A nice swing pass out to Deion Lewis and let that man work. Man, is that guy fun to watch. Boy, oh boy, is Deion Lewis fun to watch in open space. Man, he is so shifty. Those little jump cuts. He seems like it's like a greased-up pig. The kid, you just can't wrap him up. He's so much fun to watch. But Marcus made plays. And then that pass late, putting it up there for your big playmaker and getting a touchdown on a Corey Davis. Dude is clutch. And the Titans have faith in him. The Eagles didn't have faith in Carson Wentz to put the ball in his hands and let him win this game. The Titans put the ball in Marcus's hands and said, go win this game. And he drove down the field and he won the game. That's what happened. And now I thought tweeted it out. I put it on Twitter. If that doesn't convince you, if you're not convinced now that at the very least Marcus is our quarterback, maybe you think... Well, it could be better. Maybe you think, oh, maybe we'll look in the draft. You know, okay. But if you don't think right now Marcus should be the guy that's out there, Marcus gives us the best chance to win, if you don't think at least that right now, then I can't help you. I, I can't help you. You, you, just, you just hate the guy. It's irrational. You know, I can't, I can't fix an irrational decision. I can fix a rational decision that, that was just misguided, but at this point, if you don't believe in Marcus, it's just an irrational decision. You just hate the guy to hate the guy. And I can't fix that. You know, like Greg, or like Glenn, who used to always be on the show, Glenn always used to call them crackheads. Those fans that you just can't get through to. And at this point, if you don't believe in Marcus Mariota, you're one of those crackheads. I can't do anything for you. This guy proved it. And he continues to prove it. We, won't, we don't win that Kansas City game with another quarterback. We don't win that, this game against the Eagles with, a, with another quarterback. Because the defense played outstanding. You know, they, we, they put up 20 points, but most time in the NFL, you put up 20 points, that's a loss. And, and the defense played really well for most of this game. You know, the one big play that they had on offense for a touchdown, you take that out of it, it's a 13 to 26 game. We doubled their score. This defense played really well. But Marcus had to come out and do his part, and he really did with very, very little help from the running game at all which obviously we'll talk about later. So that's my case. I'm done. I'm hopping off my soapbox for the week. I just wanted to bring it up. Don't worry about the power rankings. And don't give up on Marcus Mariota because that guy is clutch. And, and let's go into what I liked about this game. Uh, for those of you who are, are new to the show, each week I do what I liked, what I didn't like, and then one thing that isn't quite what it seems. Um, so what I liked, we're going to start off with Marcus here. Clutch performance, as I was saying. Um, I already went through his numbers. They were huge. Uh, 344 passing yards, 46 rushing yards, three total touchdowns, big game. The pick was bad. Let, let's talk about this for a second. That interception was bad. It was thrown into a well-covered um, well-covered receiver, and it was overthrown. 
It was a bad pass. He was trying to make too much happen in that moment. It was a bad pass. But every quarterback throws a couple interceptable passes a game. Every QB does. You watch Rodgers. He throws a, game, like a pass or two a game that's pickable. Um, and, and that one was a bad throw. And But, you know, doesn't take away from the performance really for me at all. It was a bad pass. It was a bad decision to try to force that ball in there. But he made a lot of really great decisions. He also had five drops from his wide receivers in this game. A, a couple of them coming in big moments. But outstanding performance from Marcus. Most fourth quarter comebacks of any quarterback since 2017, as I said. And for those of you who didn't see his, you know, the after the, the his presser afterwards and talking about that Aloha spirit, I love it. I'm 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 bought and I'm on the bandwagon for this Aloha spirit. Marcus talked about the Aloha spirit being, you know, where he comes from in Hawaii and in that culture. It's, you know, not worrying as much about the things that you can't control and and worrying about what you can control and and everything kind of works out. You know, if you put in the effort and you work, everything will kind of work out. Um, you just have to go with the flow. And they and they call that the Aloha spirit, which Marcus attributes to him being so clutch late in games is that Aloha spirit. You know, you go with the flow. Don't worry about the things you can't control. All of those things are, are cliches you hear coach say, coaches say all the time in football. You know, don't worry about what you can't control. You know, go out there and just play backyard football get your mind out of the game and and Marcus does it so well and I think it does I think you can contribute it to that to that uh, that culture um that Marcus grew up in and that Aloha spirit I think is a good reason why you see a guy that's this young that plays this well at the end of games Marcus has a, a really established himself as playing very good late in games and you know so many comes back you think about the comeback that we had against the Saints a couple years ago. Last year against the Lions. There's a lot of comebacks for this team. You know, standing on the arrowhead at arrowhead. Against the Chiefs again in the playoffs. This game um, against the the Eagles. There's a lot of comebacks that you can point to in Marcus's career that were really impressive. Dude's clutch. And, and I love that Aloha spirit. Um, attitude, I, I love it. I'm can, I'm very close to getting T-shirts made with um, something with the Aloha spirit because I love it. I'm I'm all in on it. Um, Corey Davis was a monster. Let's give it up to Corey Davis. Finally, really showing out uh, for the first time this season. Game-winning catch was his first regular season touchdown. He had more yards in this game than he did in the first three weeks combined. 161 yard performance was a big play machine this week. Coming up with big plays whenever we needed them. Um, he was great. This was the kind of game that you're seeing Davis live up to the potential we think he might have. We think he might have that potential to be an elite level wide receiver. This was an elite level wide receiver kind of game. You know, this was a big game. A huge performance for him. He made the defense look silly plenty of times here. Goes up and climbs the ladder, gets that ball through contact for a game-winning touchdown. Clutch, clutch performance. Um, you know, plenty of these balls. He's running routes a lot cleaner. He's getting separation more naturally. Corey Davis taking big steps, folks. Keep watching him. Also, shout out to uh, Deion Lewis, nine for nine on his targets and receptions in this game. Didn't do much at all in the rushing game, but in the passing game was a big boost for us. Taewon Taylor also having a big game for us. 
Tajay Sharp only had two catches. I believe won three targets, if I'm not mistaken. But those two were big. Um, so shout out to him. That was also a big game. The receiving core as a whole stepped up big time. But Corey Davis definitely left the, led the charge. Something else I liked is this pass rush is mean, folks. It's disgusting. It, it's been a long time since we had a pass rush this good. The last time we had a pass rush this good, we had a guy named Keith Bullock in the middle. I, I'm, I firmly believe that. This pass rush is nasty. Four sacks, eight and a half tackles for a loss. I mean, I think it was something around 14 or 15 hurries. Huge. Harold Landry, I want to bring up him, uh, put a spotlight on him for a little bit. Has gotten a, a lot of pressures, a lot of QB hits for the first couple games, but he got home for the first time, getting his first sack in this game. He has been outstanding early in his career. I talked um, to a listener of the show, Jordan Harley, on Twitter, you know, who brought up his great performance, and, and he was absolutely right. You know, dude is a dog. Dude has a very high ceiling, and we're seeing it. He is so blindingly fast off of the edge. And it, even with a, a size where I thought he was a little undersized, he has the kind of devastating speed and burst where that size isn't a big deal. Because by the time that 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 um, that the tackle gets his hand on him, he's only going to get one hand. He's already off balance. Harold's already passing him. He, Harold doesn't have to outstrength him or outmuscle him. He just has to use that leverage... Um, when coming around the edge, that that tackle's already scrambling. He's only going to get one hand on you. Huge game for him. That was awesome. Jalen Brown really developing into a well-rounded linebacker. He's doing making plays in a running game. He's getting pressure on quarterbacks. He's he's still solid against in coverage. Jalen Brown developing into a well-rounded run, uh, linebacker is something I really noticed in this in this game and the game before. He stepped up and he's made plays in places that we're not used to him making. Like we brought him in because the dude's a monster in coverage, and we knew that. So it doesn't surprise anybody when he's been good in coverage. No one's surprised. But he's making plays in a running game. He's going and hitting quarterbacks. This is something we didn't expect to see from Brown. Very quickly developing into a well-rounded linebacker, which is something we need right now. So it's something also I noticed, and I know I bring it up every week, but boy oh boy is that Terrell Casey a hell of a football player everybody listening right now is like yeah no shit Ryan and I know but man it has to be said that guy flat out balls and now that he's getting more help you have to worry about guys like Jayon Brown we're getting better at um, disguising um, safety blitzes and cornerback blitzes you saw Butler get a sack in this game we're getting better at disguising stuff like that it's going to make Casey more productive, and we're seeing that. Dude is a freak. Just a monster. On him, on pace for an amazing season. One of his best, if he can keep it up. Maybe the best. And that's because he's starting to get guys around him, like Landry. Um, and, you know, obviously, Rackpo Morgan's still there. But getting those speed guys off of the edge, where you have to get him out, you're going to force guys to play Casey one-on-one. And when you play Casey one-on-one, he's going to get in the backfield. We saw it throughout this game. There was plenty of plays where they got holding calls in this game against Jarrell Casey. Look at how many. Go back and watch a tape and start counting. Just pull out a piece of paper and make a tick mark. Every see you, every time you see a holding call against Jarrell Casey, that would have been a sack. Look at how many times that Jarrell Casey had Wentz in his clutch and then Wentz threw the ball away smartly. 
got rid of it. That would have been a sack. That dude was a monster. Against a weaker quarterback, against a team that wasn't holding as much, Casey might have had a four-sack game. That was big. He was a monster. But I say it each and every week, and no one's surprised. No one's like, oh, Jarrell Casey's good? Like, you know, no one's saying that. But you have to bring it up. Guy's been outstanding. One thing that I, I don't like this. I fucking love it. Tackling at the point of attack. This team, in the last, what, two, three years, has went from a team that is terrible at breaking down and tackling at the point of attack to a team that is one of the best in football. This Titans team hits people. Screen passes don't work very well against this Titans team because the first guy that hits you more than likely is bringing you down. Great at open field tackle. I was really impressed with this throughout the game. Made a lot of plays on screen passes, and they got a few that worked on us, but for the most part, they didn't. For the most part, short passes were short gains. Very good performance, and it has been a good performance and a week of a string of good performances. Even in that Dolphins game, I thought we did a solid job of it. Every game since, I thought, you know, A- minus at worst performance at tackling at the point of attack. It has been a huge reason why we're 3-0 and or, you know, in our last three games. That bit, that's huge. Shout out to the kicking game. Doesn't get a lot of love. Brett Kern was a monster in this game. Outside of the one kick where he outkicked his coverage. Um, you know, to pinning him deep. That one coffin corner kick. My God, he couldn't have kicked that much better. That was gorgeous. Suck up perfect on the day, as always. You know, old reliable with suck up. I wanted to bring this up, though. Suck up is only nine points away from surpassing Earl Campbell for the uh, most points scored in Titans Oilers history. And he's only 21 points away from passing Eddie George. So likely going to get those in the next you know handful of weeks. By the end of the season, the only people that he has in front of him will be kickers. So it's interesting. you know, Suck up working his way up there. Obviously the two at the top, uh, Aldo Greco and right behind him, um, I think everybody's favorite kicker, Rob Baronis. There's a long way to get to those guys still, but suck up passing some guys, you know, big names for us. Earl Campbell, Eddie George, our best two running backs of all time in this organization. Um, so shout out to suck up, who's who's getting close to making some some big steps in in the Titans and Oilers uh, history in the record books, um, and he deserves it. He's been playing outstanding. What I didn't like. Injury still being an issue, and this isn't our fault. You know, there's only so much you can prepare. Uh, but Woodyard went out of this game. It doesn't look like that's very serious. Kenny Vaccaro, dislocated shoulder, is going to be out for two to four weeks. Adoree Jackson has hit the turf for the second straight week, but came back and seems to be fine. Did it both times, both weeks. Seems to be fine. But, you know, it's starting to worry you when you see him um, gimped up every single week. Even if it's not serious, it makes you think something serious is on the way. So our health uh, still an issue. You know, I, I want these conditioners... To really, I mean, I don't think it's their fault. I'm not blaming them. I want to say that, but getting in there and getting these guys working with them, making sure that guys are working out healthy ways, making sure that guys are stretching, um, that are staying warm on the on the sidelines, stuff like that. Doing what you can to prevent. I'm not blaming anybody. Injuries happen. It's part of the game. Um, but let's say I, I hope that our team, and I know we are, but I hope that our team is taking strides to make sure that these players are doing what they need to do to limit the injuries as much as possible. Um, stopping the run was the next thing I was going to bring up. Uh, J.A. and Smallwood combined for 109 yards and averaged 
five yards per carry. That's unacceptable. You know, we're doing a, a much better job of slowing down the pass. Carson Wentz is a, is a pretty good quarterback. We did a pretty good job of making sure he didn't get first downs. We did a pretty good job of making sure he didn't get to the end zone. Um, you know, pretty impressed with that. But like I said earlier, you know, late in that game, they went right to the run. And they just ran it down our throats and then kicked a field goal. Um, this was a team, I'm, like I've said it a hundred times this year if I've said it once, we miss Avery Williamson. This was a team last year that was one of the best in the league against the run. We lost a linebacker that is one of the best linebackers in the league against the run, and, and we're struggling now. Something that I don't, I'm not super worried about, though, because we're doing better against the pass, and I'd rather do good against the pass than the run. You know, we live in an, in an NFL that is a passing league. I'm sure you haven't heard that before. I'm, I'm pretty sure I just coined that, actually. NFL's a passing league. But we live in that reality. So you'd rather be good against the pass than the run. Um, but that's going to hurt late in games. That's going to hurt trying to make comebacks late in games. So far it hasn't, but there's going to be a game where it does. So something I'd like to see us improve, I'd like to see Jayon Brown against the run more. He's making improvements. He's making steps. Not having Woodyard, by the way, it was a huge loss. Like, Woodyard is our best um, defender against the run. That hurt not having him. Kenny Vaccaro going out. He's a guy that will come up in the box and make a play. That hurt. Um, but we need to get better as a whole. We need our interior linebackers to play better against the run. That's just a fact. Uh, taking advantage of opportunities. Look, we took advantage of enough opportunities to win this game. But this game could have been a, a lot easier of a win if we didn't have five drops. If Compton didn't drop that interception late in the game. If we didn't allow them to have that big punt return late in the game. There were opportunities on the table that we didn't take in this game. And we won. So we should be happy. We did enough to win. However, we could have done more. This game could have been more out of hand than we made it. This game could have been an easier win than we made it. And moving forward, we play some tough teams still, folks. You know, this was a great win. But we have Baltimore. That looks pretty good coming up in two weeks. The Chargers after that. Cowboys and Patriots coming out of the bye. There's, you know, we obviously play the Jaguars again. There's some good teams left on this um, schedule. And taking advantage of those opportunities will be the difference in winning and losing a lot of those games. So something I didn't like to see was just there was a, plenty of opportunities. We took advantage about half of them. And we let the other half kind of fall by the wayside. Still able to get a win. So I'm not overly upset about it. But something that we need to, to focus on moving forward. Um, and then my last part. What's not quite what it seems. Malcolm Butler has given up four big touchdown plays this season, which has led many people to think he's awful. You look at the stats, they back it up. You know, he's, he has given up a lot of touchdowns, a lot of yardage. But it's not quite the case that Malcolm Butler's awful. Butler's been a gambler. You know, he has been since he came in the league. He's either going to make the big play or he's going to get torched. That's the kind of player he is is going to give up the big play from time to time. But you also see him make monster plays like he did in the end zone coming up with an interception earlier this season. That was a big play. And that's not an easy play to make. For the most part, he's been pretty awesome in coverage. If you go completion percentage, it's not high. If you go with how many times quarterbacks have had to look off because he had a guy locked down, happens a lot. But when he gambles... 
he gives up the big play. And in this case, I, I took a shot at, at Butler on Twitter, and I, I recant that statement because I went back and I watched that play, and I see the safety come down when he should have dropped back and helped over the top. They were in zone coverage. His zone was on the outside. Safety dropped back. And then what you see at the end of that play is Malcolm Butler trying to catch up, but that wasn't Malcolm Butler's area. That safety supposed to drop uh, drop back and said came forward, ball was thrown over his head. That That's not on Butler. Butler was where he was supposed to be in that coverage. So, you know, it's not everything's not exactly what it seems. Butler's not as bad as his stats show right now. So, just wanted to throw that out there. That is what it, just something that's not quite exactly what it seems. So, let's look at the AFC South now, folks. Um... The AFC South, may I remind you, that the Titans still currently lead. The Jags crushed the Jets 31-12. Jags improved to 3-1 on the season. They are second in the division behind the Titans. Um, in Week 5, they will head to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. That's not going to be an easy game. And we don't play the Chiefs this, this uh, year. For those of you who don't know, and I think most of you do, in the NFL, you play four games against um, an AFC um, division like the whole division you play the whole division um, so this year for us obviously we're playing the AFC East that's why we have the the Bills Jets Dolphins and Patriots and then you play one against an NFC uh, division a whole division for this it's the NFC East that's why we play the Eagles Cowboys um, Giants and Redskins this year then you play six games against divisional opponents, obviously. We do that every year. Play the Jags twice, play the Texans twice, play the Colts twice. Then you play two more games, and those games are whatever other AFC division. So we're obviously the AFC South. We're playing the AFC East. So the AFC West, the AFC North, you play two games against teams that finished in the same spot that you did last year. So we finished second in our division. We play against the Ravens, who finished second in the North. We finish second, and we play the Chargers, who finish second in the West. So that's why we have those games. That's why we don't play the Chiefs. Because the Jags finish first, they play first-place teams. We don't have to play the Chiefs this year. Um, and we don't have to play the Steelers this year, which um, the Jags have to. So... Um, which, I mean, I think they might have the better end of the deal, judging by last night's game where the Ravens beat uh, the uh, the Steelers. And the Steelers are not looking good this year. But we don't have to play the Chiefs. The Chiefs look like a very good football team. Uh, this is going to be a hard game for the Jags to win. This is a team that is going to come out and put points up. This is a defense that's going to put pressure on Bortles. And when you do that, Bortles starts checking down. You know, this isn't the same Bortles that used to just throw interceptions every single time he got pressured. This is check down Charlie Bortles, where he'll start checking down, and they got guys in their in their defense that'll make plays. This is not going to be an easy game for the for the Jaguars to stay in. Um, so everybody, you know, keep an eye out for that. Obviously, a game we'll be watching next week. Uh, Texans outlast the Colts in overtime to win thirty seven to thirty four for their first win of the season. This was a really good game. You know, from a fan standpoint, what goes back and forth the whole time. The Texans just, you know, happened to outlast the Colts in what was really an ugly overtime. Um, but they ended up getting the win, uh, sneaking out with this one. So now the Titans are the only team in the AFC South without a division loss. Obviously, the Colts um, 
the Colts uh, losing to the Texans. Uh, Texans and Jags both lost to us already. So, a huge leg up. That's big. That is big at this point in the, in the season, being undefeated in your division. That's going to play, and that might be a factor, end of the end of the season. If you play well against your division, you're normally going to be a playoff team or on the cusp of a playoff team. We play very well in this division, and now we're showing that we can play outside of it. That was, that's, you know, this win against Jackson, or sorry, this win against the Eagles was showing that we can play well outside of this division against good teams. Um, but anyways, like going back to this, good win for the Texans, their first of this season. The Texans will host the Cowboys next week. Cowboys looked, you know, pretty solid. A much better performance by Dak uh, in this last game. Uh, a huge game for Zeke. It's going to be a handful for this Texans team. Um, so we'll see how they do, especially with that busted offensive line that the Texans have that um, Dallas defense can really get after a quarterback so that'll be an interesting game I'm taking the Cowboys I I think that the Texans um, might have gotten one of their only wins of the season this week the Colts head to Foxborough to take on the Pats I know that the Patriots are struggling we just saw them blow out a Bills team and you know it's you start scratching your head what well what are the Bills the Bills are off well wait hold on they blanked Minnesota you know, so but I think this Bills team had one good week. I think this is a team that's obviously um, pretty bad. Or sorry, they not the Bills, the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins came in and they beat uh, the Dolphins. The Dolphins are a team that um, has really benefited from an easy schedule. They played us in the beginning of the year and they benefited from some cheap shots that they had on us, some injuries that they had, and an easy schedule. The Patriots are a real team, though. I mean, that's I told everybody to calm down. How many times have we seen the Patriots suck in September and dominate throughout the year and ended up in a Super Bowl? We've seen it a lot, folks. It happens a lot. They're a real team. This will be a very difficult game for the Pats to win. I expect Andrew Luck to put up big numbers. The Pats' defense is not impressive. It's not. I expect Andrew Luck to put up um, some big numbers, but I don't expect them to be able to keep up... um, with what the Pats are going to be able to do. Obviously, they're going to get Edelman back this week. Um, Josh Gordon's going to get more familiar. You still have Gronk. That's a lot of weapons, folks. That's a, And James White really emerged this week as, as a real... Um, I mean, he's been a real playmaker for a while, but this was his first game of the year where he really dominated. They're getting their weapons back. This Patriots team's going to be for real. This is going to be a team that stands in between... You know, whoever in the AFC, whether it be us or Jacksonville or Baltimore or the Steelers, whoever, and or, you know, Kansas City and a championship and playing for the Super Bowl. They're still going to be that team. Um, I expect a loss there. So we could be facing, and, we, you know, obviously the Titans head to Buffalo next week. The Bills, you still have to respect them. They're still an NFL team. you got to come in with a solid game plan. But this is not a good football team. We're likely going to be, you know, you don't really know in that Jags-Kansas City game yet, but likely going to be the only team favored to win in the AFC South. It would be huge for us to have another week like we did last week where everybody in the AFC loses except for us. That would be big. That would just give us a a little more cushion because I'm not really worried about the Texans coming back at all. I'm not worried at all. I'm not really worried about the Colts coming back. Maybe a little bit of worry there. Maybe 10%. 
that maybe Andrew Luck finds his stride. Texans, it's like negative 4%. This team, the offensive line is trash. The defense is aging. It's not good. The Jags obviously have a good football team. If you're not worried about them as a Titans fan, you're, you're kidding yourself. This is a very good football team. So getting a little bit of cushion between us and Jacksonville early in the season is a good thing. You know, right now we have the same record, but we have just a just a little bit of cushion having the first win over them. If we could get another little jump, you know, Jacksonville was looking for it this week. Jacksonville fans were like, oh, we'll be back in first place after this week. And we came out and we beat the Eagles. They weren't planning on that. Now they go play a tough team. We have an easy week. So now they have to. Now it's their turn. We proved that we're gonna we're gonna dance with the big boys in the NFL. We're going to win games against big teams in the NFL. We went and proved that with a game against the Eagles. It's their turn. They have Kansas City. Are they gonna come out and prove that they can play with the big boys too? Um, it's gonna be a tough game, but hopefully for us, it would be it would be awesome to get a little bit of cushion early in the season. And get get a little bit more cushion. If they drop the three and two, we go up to four and one. That's big. You know, it's still a lot of games left. Still a lot of football to play. But as I said last week, I, I said that we need to go three and three in the next six games. Eagles, Buffalo, um, Ravens, Chargers, Cowboys, Patriots. We need to go sit three and three in those games if we want to be a real playoff team. Right now, we're one and zero. Next week we have the Bills, which looks like it's going to be the only easy win out of this stretch. And then, and then we have, at home, the Ravens and the Chargers before the bye week. Those are going to be tough games. You know, We have to show up in those games still. Now that one against the Chargers is at 8.30 a.m. game in London. That's not going to be an easy place to play. Um, you, know, you never really know what fans are going to align. You know, traveling that much, that's not going to be an easy place to play. But you still have to perform. We, we have to get wins in these next couple of games. Because after that, the, ski, the schedule opens up for us. And I said that last week. It does. We have Colts, Texans, Jets. You know, that should be three wins. Um, Jags, tough game. Thursday night game, going to be a tough game. Uh, then after that, at Giants. And then at home against the Redskins. And then the Colts again. That should be three wins. We're, that last seven games, we have three should be easy wins, one game against the Jags, and then three should be easy wins. So if we can perform well in these next six games, like I said last week, we're a real team. We're a very real team. We're going to put a very impressive win-loss record together. And right now, it's looking good. We just beat the Eagles. We're going to be heavily favored against Buffalo, or we should be. Um, Baltimore's a tough team. Going to be a tough game. Jack, or sorry, San Diego, tough offense to play against. That defense is kind of banged up. Um, you know, if they're healthy, it's an excellent defense, but kind of banged up right now. Tough offense to play against. Phillip Rivers is, is a gunslinger. He's a real QB, guy that gets underrated every single year. Um, Monday night, the Cowboys, I know, you know, a lot of people in this group are, are old, uh, or listen to this show, or old Houston fans hate the Cowboys. And you know, and, and don't think Dak's the real deal, which he may not be. But this defense is better than than everybody thinks it is. And and Dallas, um, Zeke Elliott, he's a guy that can do it anywhere. We saw it this week. He had a huge game in the air and on the ground. He's a guy that can do it anywhere. That's a tough team. We're gonna play the Patriots in the middle of the season. Hate to see that. <laughs> you know, you hate to see the Patriots in the middle of the year, but we host them at home. 
That would be a huge win for us. And then after that, it's easy. We just have to get through these next six games. We have to put up an impressive number. If we go anything above three and three, if this is a five and one stretch, a four and two stretch, a six and zero oh stretch, Titans are a Super Bowl contender. Like that's just the truth. If you're beating all those teams, if you're taking out, you know, those teams that are borderline playoff teams, like I think the Ravens and Chargers are. And you're taking out people that are contenders like the Eagles and Pats are. You're a real team. That's a real team. And we might be there. The play calling is much improved. Marcus is back and he's healthy and he's slinging it. This defense is great. This is a great defense. This is a top 10 pass rush easily. That's what we're seeing. This might be. We continue this performance and we continue it against good teams. This could be. Keep in mind, this Eagles offensive line is good. This Eagles offensive line is a top seven unit, easily. And and with four sacks, eight and a half tackles for a loss. This is a very good pass rush. And we haven't had a very good pass rush in a long time. We haven't had a top ten pass rush in a long time. We got it, folks. It's here. We got Harold Landry coming off the edge. We have old reliables in Morgan and Arakbo. We have Jarrell Casey, who's just a just a freak, just a monster. We uh, we have those guys. We have that talent. We have guys like Correa that can make plays. Butler made a big play this week, obviously coming up with that sack. And the play calling is finally helping us, not hurting us. We're winning with the help of our play calling. We're not winning in spite of our play calling. Um. But I'm sure you're tired of hearing me ramble, folks. So we're going to call this an episode. Um, sorry about last week. I was supposed to get the uh, the preview for the Eagles up. It was a crazy weekend, I promise. Uh, this preview for the Buffalo game will be coming out on Friday. Um, so be look on the lookout for that. We'll get in-depth on that. Talk about injury report. Talk about what we need to do to win the game. Um, some keys to look at. And especially a game that we're going to be heavily favored Probably, uh, you know, an obvious win. I'm going to point out some things this week, too, that I want you to watch in the game. I'm going to pick some players, pick some some things for you guys out there to watch. Pick up on this during the game. So be sure to listen in for that so you can see uh, some of the things that I'm talking about. Especially if you're someone um, that is newer to the game or or not, you know, didn't play football. uh, Pick up on things that you might not be picking up on really interesting and it'll help you watch the game enjoy it more and uh and and uh pick up on some of the stuff that you're missing out on and i mean shit maybe you'll realize that jarrell casey's just a fucking freak dude he's he is like i love that motherfucker but we're out of here folks um so good luck to the titans coming up this week we'll obviously have that the Buffalo Preview, follow me on Twitter at TheRyanMoreland. You can follow the show on Facebook. I've been more on Twitter, so if you're looking to get in contact, interact with me and stuff, Twitter's the place to go. We got one for the boys, folks. We got that Aloha spirit right now in Nashville. Huge win over the Eagles, and we got to keep it going. We're the top of this division right now, and we deserve to be. We got to keep it going, and that starts with a big win in Buffalo. Um, as always, fuck the Jaguars, tighten up. Yeah, uh, 
Two-Tone, the podcast, it's the livest. Every week we talking about them Tennessee Titans. Better tune in, it's the podcast you want. Hosted by my big homie, Ryan Moreland. Mariota throwing bombs he don't ever miss. Malcolm Butler hold it down with the pick six. Talking stats and plays, what's happening? Derrick Henry, Dory Jackson, this where we get it cracking. Yeah, Tennessee Titans podcast. Two-Tone, ayy. Tune in.